Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And today I'd like to talk to you about a question that every parent has been asked. Are we there yet? Who among us as parents have not heard those words? My father's customary answer to that question was, Greg, with every turn of the wheel, we're a turn of the wheel closer. As I recall, even back as a six or seven-year-old, I understood that my dad was telling me to just sit back and be patient, but only for another 10 or 15 minutes. Then it was time to ask once more, are we there yet? Only to hear the response, with every turn of the wheel, we're a turn of the wheel closer. That's kind of like the way it is in our journey toward heaven. Sometimes I feel like the trip is never going to end. And with eager anticipation, I find myself praying, even so, come Lord Jesus. But with every turn of the wheel, we are a turn of the wheel closer. Whatever the day brings, we are getting closer to our destination. Every turn of the wheel brings us closer to a time when the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. I long for the day when faith becomes sight, but I'm not there yet. I'm reminded of Paul's statement in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I had already obtained it or had already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The eager anticipation in Paul's words is apparent. However, those same words indicate that Paul knew that if he ever stopped in his journey, if his wheels ever quit turning, he wasn't going to get there. It is imperative that we all keep in mind the truth that we are not yet taken hold of our ultimate ambition. Heaven is out there, prepared for us, but like a runner who expends every ounce of energy pushing and straining for that finish line, we have got to keep on running. We've got to keep on working. Let's all examine ourselves and make sure that we're still on course. Let's make sure that the wheels are still running. Is the person we see in the mirror someone who is honestly reaching forward to what lies ahead? Is that person who is looking back at us someone who is really pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? Is our reflection in the mirror the reflection of someone who truly loves the brethren? 
Is it the reflection of someone who visits the sick, makes calls of encouragement, refuses to gossip, and always gives the benefit of the doubt? That person looking back at us, is it someone who never misses a service that he or she is physically able to attend? Is it someone who participates in all the works of the church that he or she possibly can and who looks for things to do in God's service? At the time of the Lord's ascension into heaven, the Bible tells us the two men in white clothing stood beside the apostles. I believe it is obvious that these men were angels, but more important than who they were is what they were and why they were there and what they had to say. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. That's Acts 1 and verse 11. Does that thrill your heart? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. I'd also like to talk to you this morning, or in this episode, about leading like Paul. The greatest qualities of leadership manifest themselves in the crucible of conflict and controversy. The Thessalonians were given the opportunity to witness and benefit from the leadership of Paul in difficult circumstances. Acts 17, 1-9 details Paul's work in the city of Thessalonica and tells of certain unbelieving Jews moved by jealousy instigating an uprising. They made the following charge against Paul and his traveling companions in verse 8. These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. In 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul reminded the brethren of his conduct when he had been among them. Verses 1 through 12 contain valuable lessons for us all. First, verses 1 through 3. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. A true leader does not operate in secret, and the result of his efforts is apparent. In spite of a life of service that involved tremendous physical suffering and danger, Paul had continued to wield the only weapon he used in turning the world upside down, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as he had done everywhere, the opportunity presented itself. Paul preached the gospel in Thessalonica with boldness born out of his trust in God. He would not allow the opposition to silence him, for he was presenting the simple, powerful truths of the gospel. A true leader in the service of God does not engage in verbal gymnastics and tricks of semantics. He presents the truth in as clear a manner as possible. I do not believe that those who heard Paul came away failing to understand where he stood on any gospel-related issue. Looking at verses 4 through 6. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. What motivates a leader in the cause of Christ? 
what motivated Paul. He had been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Albert Barnes, in his Barnes Notes of the New Testament, represented the point Paul was making in the last first clause of verse 4 in this way. Since there had been committed to us an office so high and holy, and so much demanding sincerity, fidelity, and honesty, we endeavor to act in all respects in conformity to the trust reposed in us. Oh, that we would all would realize this. Being a leader for Christ is about service, and as far as being pleasing is concerned, the one we must strive to please is God. The man who seeks the praise of men is not mature enough to be a leader. The Bible speaks of those who would tickle the ears of their hearers, but such serve Satan and not the ones to whom they speak, and certainly not God, looking at verses 7 through 9. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So, affectionately longing for you, we are well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you have become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. Having mentioned methods that he did not use among them, Paul now talks about the approach that he did use. He was gentle. Please do not mistake that for being timid. Gentleness is the fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians chapter 5, verse 23. And Paul's use of the word here reminds me of his statement to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24. He wrote, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. A leader in the cause of Christ must have genuine affection for those he leads. So strong was Paul's affection for these people that he was willing to impart to them the gospel, which in itself was strong proof of love, but he was willing to do it even when it meant danger to himself. A true leader will do what is best and most needful in a particular situation. As Paul concluded his comments related to his conduct in verses 10 through 12, what he said must be embraced by leaders in the church today. Our conduct must be holy, just, and blameless. How can we lead if our conduct brings discredit or dishonor to the cause of Christ? The answer is simply, we can't. Any more than a father can lead his children if his conduct does not match what they, he says. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby.